0: You are now entering The MixU Podcast. No credentials required. Hey everyone, we are so excited to be uh bringing episode 3 of the MixU Podcast to you today. We have been blown away by the response from the first two episodes, so thank you, thank you, thank you for downloading, listening, sharing, and liking what we're doing. So we're going to keep doing this as long as you'll keep listening. And so, here we are with our third episode. Um, we're, just, we're just pumped. So, thanks, guys, for listening in and joining in the conversation. Today, we are going to talk about a bunch of cool stuff, but I wanted to let you know about the downloads. Um, the first two episodes of the Mix You podcast actually made it to number 19 in the music-related podcast charts on iTunes, which is unbelievable. Unbelievable. I mean we're just we're just blown away, so that's not a religious category that's music because the religious ones are mostly dumb, so we tried to stay out of that category um, but we tell the truth, we just didn't want to compete with Joel Olstein. well, that's true, and his mom clicking download every twelve minutes to download the latest podcast. just kidding um, but we have done some things since the podcast, you know we talked about um that we were going to be in Tulsa for the next mix you and that has come and gone. So Lee, why don't you give us a recap on the mix U Tulsa event that we did a couple weeks ago?
1: Yeah, I tell you what, uh, I think we were blown away by the response from Tulsa when we decided to do Tulsa, uh, four or five months ago, it was, you know what? Seeds is happening. So let's just do it. We were going to be there anyway. So let's see what the response was. We've been trying to do these in really large, like metropolitan cities. And Tulsa, it's not really <laughs> there's a, like that. There's a Whataburger. There's a bunch of Whataburgers and some Taco Buenos. But <laughs> we had over a hundred and fifty people come out to Tulsa. Just incredible that people would be gullible enough to come listen to us talk <laughs> in Tulsa. Just crazy in Tulsa. In July. Yeah in july dude it was hot what's up with that like way stone? hot yeah way way hot yeah i Wait. know you were indoor for 72 hours but yeah dang it we, was warm
2: we had someone uh send a complaint in just said yeah i just i'm just not happy because it's just so hot and, the, and i was like what do you want us to do about that
1: how do we how do we they fix they sent a complaint that? to To Mix you or to Seeds? Uh,
2: To Church on the Move. So it's just like, whatever.
1: Sweet. Yeah. I guess we'll air condition the outside. Yeah. No, but we had a great event in Tulsa. A lot of people came out. It was awesome. We got to see the Church on the Move,
0: Glenpool Campus. That was cool. Um, Yeah, it was awesome. So one of the things that I loved about this particular Mix you and actually all the events that we've done so far, is how our conversation takes turns that are so unexpected. Andrew was talking about how he was EQing a vocal and we spent 15 minutes deep diving into a high pass filter of all things, which (laughs) most people assume is just a really sort of simple set and forget kind of process. But we were able to uncover some nuance that I never really thought about. And so I love being able to do those events with you guys because I learn as much as the guys who are coming, they have such great questions and the dialogue is just always so rich. It was just a great experience for me.
2: It's uh, what's cool too for me. So I just started using Waves and uh, what's awesome is that we're in this situation where you know, I'm watching you guys use a lot of this. I'm listening to it. uh, And it was very cool going into, so doing this the day before a major conference and going in the very next day into opening night using, I think I was texting somebody like, hey, da, 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 And I was literally using it that night uh, in performances. And that's cool. I mean, that's a, I love walking away from this stuff as, as a client, like going, man, this is, this is incredible. It really changed some stuff that I do.
0: Well, that was the whole reason we started it was for us to be able to start a conversation that we could learn from each other and then let people come in and eavesdrop on what we're talking about and I think yeah. that, that's what makes it cool for me is that I walk away with as much learning as I've done teaching hey
1: and guess what we got another one coming up Washington
0: DC baby that's right September 26th Tuesday in DC at Metro Church in Alexandria so all the info is on our website mixu.rocks if you have anybody in the northeast get on a train get in the car make your way to DC, because we've been waiting to come to the Northeast for a year and a half now, and I'm really excited to be there. We gotta we gotta pack the room because we want to just extend the Rock to the Northeast. <laughs> That's right. This is this has been on our list since
2: we started this. It's trying yeah, to figure out totally how to get has. there, and it's been elusive. We've tried to find the right city, the right place, right, and all the stars aligned, and that that to us is cool. That means that this is going to be a pretty pretty wicked cool time. So. Um, spread the word on that one.
1: And, and the food in DC is legit. <laughs> right. Cause it's about the food. I mean, we're just, that's the only reason we do these. Let's
2: just get through the day so we can go eat somewhere cool. <laughs> hey, by the way, where'd you guys eat in Tulsa? Cause I got dumped and had to go to rehearsal.
1: Uh, we went to Texas day Brazil. Oh yeah. And, and it, it was, meat sweats oh. for everyone. <laughs> it was a really good meat experience. Okay. That's good. And then we went to a uh, Irish pub and played pool and smoked cigars till the wee hours of the morning.
2: Well, I mean, so Tulsa wasn't all bad.
0: So Andrew, since you weren't no, great. since you weren't able to join us for our shenanigans <laughs> because you were working the conference, tell us about right. seeds. Give us a recap on seeds
2: we approached this one completely different, man. And that, I think that's what made it so cool. We took a year off last year. I say a year off. We, there's no guarantee you're ever going to do this thing. And so we've been in church transition. Um, in fact, the same, so all through July, it was the church's 30th anniversary. That's a big deal. So we're having like major activities every weekend, bands out on the lawn and Movies after services and all kinds of crazy stuff. Um, And the biggest one was uh, our senior pastor, uh, Willie George, who founded this place, uh, turned over the reins officially to his oldest son, Whitney George. So he is now the lead pastor of Church on the Move. And Willie George stepped to the side and uh, is is what we're calling him founding pastor. That's a big deal. And that's been a transition that's been going on for two or three years. So in the middle of all that, hey, let's do a conference as well. But you know what? It made it a really sweet time. I know, um, Lee, you, you were able to stay over for a day before you had to fly out. But I think you could feel it even on that opening yep. night. It was just a sweet spirit in the place just from our anticipation because it wasn't one of those where we had anything to show off about. Honestly, there was nothing that I was trying to prove It just didn't matter. We were just trying to be as cool as we could be as we would be on a weekend. And that was our entire goal. That was the goal I put in front of our team because that was what was put in front of me from WIT. He was just like, everything we do, light, sound, production, uh, the, the guest experience from walking in the building, can we make it how it would be for our guests on a weekend? That's it. That is not normal for a big conference. Usually you gear up and go crazy and buy new clothes and all this kind of stuff. We did none of that. (laughs) We did none of that. And it, it just made it better. I, for the first one, that was our sixth one we've done. I didn't hate it by the end. And I'm being honest. I mean, for anybody that's done conferences, you get to the end of it and you just don't care. I didn't hate it. I enjoyed it. I love the experience. The speaking was great. I thought all the, uh, since then, I've been able to peruse all the all the um, breakout sessions and listen to them. It was great. There was just a good attitude about it. So anyway, that's my view from the inside. And who knows if we'll do another one? I don't know. And I kind of like not knowing. I kind of like that we didn't announce anything. We just left it out there. And well, it's the cool, cool thing
0: about it was that you were able to do a mix you the day before it and not be completely stressed out. Like we, yeah. I, I was I was amazed at how. Just relaxed, and it's like the whole environment was just so chill. Yeah. It was like, yeah, we're doing this, but we feel like this is what God has for us, and so we're yep. just going to honor the plans that we made and not overthink it, not stress yeah, about man. it, and just you know serve people. And it, it, it felt great. And, you know,
2: Wit is such a visionary, and he gets this stuff, but he's really moved away from being such a creative voice to a pastor voice to the guy looking out for the whole thing. And it's a big deal. I can only imagine the pressure he feels when he was like, I love this idea of doing a mixed shoe before it. I love that we're pouring into the technical community that doesn't happen all the time. I just thought it was cool. And I was as tickets were selling, we were just kind of looking at him, going, this is so cool how most of these people are coming to Seeds. Most of these tech guys are coming to this really cool, Creative leadership music conference, whatever you want to call it, and they were in the seats hearing the same stuff I was. It was cool. Um, one thing I'll note about why all that worked, Jeff, and to your to your point of why it was so relaxed, we did all the rehearsals the week before, and we were done. So the Friday of the week before, we, that was our last rehearsal. So there was no so when we got when Mick she was done, and I had to leave. I wasn't going to a rehearsal, like there was no, no band. I was going to a visual walkthrough that I was leading of all of the visual elements and all the video elements and stuff we were going to do for all the sessions. So the design team was there, some of the creative team, just a group of, I don't know, 10 or 12 people. And we were just sitting in the room going through some lighting cues, going through video cues, totally relaxed. I mean, I think I was eating a subway sandwich like, most of the night. So while you guys were eating meat, I was eating a crappy sandwich. <laughs> but that's one of the reasons it was so chill because it was all done. We put it to bed. The band, most of the band had the weekend off, and some of them went to the lake. Now, what? Who does that? That's awesome. And it was—it was just something we committed to ourselves early on to say, can we not be stressed? Can we like do this thing? And that's what gave the margin to do a mix. You. So
0: I'm glad you noted that because that was pretty of a big deal. Okay, so let's stay here for a second, because there's a lot of guys listening who are thinking, okay, we're coming into fall, we're gearing up for our next season of ministry, Christmas is going to be here before we know it, so what can we learn from what you guys did to make this next season full of less stress and more rest and more margin, so that we have time for team and we have time for relationship, and we're not just getting bogged down in the doing of ministry, because I think... You know, there's something to be learned from the way you guys approached it. So, you know, whether it's specific things that you did or, Lee, what you guys do with systems and other things to make that really uh, streamlined, you know, what what tips would we give to guys who are starting to feel the pressure of this new season that's coming?
2: Man, we had to put a line in the sand for us. And, and Lee, I've sensed that from you guys too when I'm out there. Like we had to put a literal line in the sand and just go, We're not going to let this own us. I remember uh, our creative director, Angie, who, uh, you know, we, we talk and meet almost every day about, about how we're going to go forward and stuff. She just said, she was very passionate about it. She just said, I do not want to start seeds when I haven't even seen my kids and I have had no sleep and I'm trying to put on extra makeup to cover my the way my eyes look and I don't want to do it. And I, and we just sat there, Andy Crisman, her and myself. And we just said, then let's just say, we're not going to do it. We're calling the shots. Let's just put a line in the sand and go, we're not going to cross this. That to me is a Testament of how we're going to have to run our teams into the future. What you're saying, Jeff, like we have to put a, we have to put a line in the sand and just go, it's a boundary. We're not going to cross this boundary.
1: No, I totally agree. We're going through a similar season uh, at the church right now. Actually, today I had a meeting to remove a really large portion of our guys' stuff off of their plate. So most technical directors at your campuses, you know, you're responsible for weekends, for for student ministries, for conferences, all that. Well, so are our guys at all of the campuses. We also have a production school, worship school. And, um, today, uh, I, I think I got the green light to remove like all the extra stuff that our facility gets used for. So, you know, some churches are like full service and some, they only do what they do. We're definitely like full service. So if Sally wants to have a yoga class every Tuesday night at seven, that needs two microphones and a DVD player. We're the team that has to set that up, so we're now going to transition yep. to where our facilities and operations team has a media person on staff who's going to facilitate all that stuff, and it's going to totally clear the decks uh, out of our guy's schedule for a lot of stuff. But it was one of those things that was like, "Hey, we're doing so much other things. We're adding services, we're adding campuses, we're adding conferences, we're adding and adding and adding." And at some point, we had to go, "Okay, enough's enough." Line in the sand. But, you know, it's a conversation yeah. with the uh, executive pastor or one of the executive pastors who it was today to go like, hey, here's what I'm sensing. What do you think? And he said, I think it's a great idea. It's a no-brainer. Let's do it. So we did it.
2: That's Dude, really and cool. your your staff is going to just thrive with that. There, I used your moniker, so that's good. But they're going to – I mean, you set them up to win that way.
1: Yeah. Now, hopefully our facilities director doesn't listen to this podcast before he gets told what his new
0: job is. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I hope that can be helpful for some guys who are listening who are thinking, gosh, you know, we thought summer was going to be slow and it's been really bigger than we expected. We had a great VBS or we had a great student camp and now we're not sure how we're going to manage the fall because we might be even more overwhelmed. So hopefully that'll be helpful to people. To be able to have healthy conversations so that their team can come around this idea of, you know, we don't have to do everything, every time, every day. And more, more, more is not always the best, you know, to to draw those boundaries in, in a way that we can stay healthy as a team. That's great. Yeah, that's good. So, Lee, I noticed that you did something recently that you said you would never do. You rejoined a particular Facebook group that you vowed never to look at, post in, or be friends with anybody who's a member again. So, Does this mean it's time for the soapbox? It is time for the soapbox. So for those of you who missed it last time, every session, every every episode, we're going to have a soapbox moment. So Lee, the soapbox is yours. Wasn't it mine last time? I'll take it again. Okay. So yeah,
1: about a year ago, I left the Church Sound Media Tech's Facebook group. Because basically, it, just in general, you know, it, at the time it was like 15,000 people. So what would happen was, some pastor without a tech person would get on there and say, what digital consoles should I buy? And no joke, there would be 50 comments from people who had no idea what they were talking about, from people who did know what they were talking about, and from sales guys, who are acting like weasels all on there, giving this guy opinions, and how's he supposed to decipher it? So I'm getting pissed off at all of this, right? And it's just Mm -hmm. bothering me. And then I found that it was like, I'd wake up in the morning and like open Facebook and see what the knuckleheads were talking about. Meanwhile, me and my friends who I'm biased, I think they know what they're talking about. We're texting each other screenshots of the ridiculousness that's happening on Facebook. So... (coughs) I left the group because I thought my quality of life was being lowered because of it, even though I feel like I have a calling on my life to help equip this community. And this is the largest group of like-minded people like myself on the planet. And I ran from it, like run to the hills, like like Bill and Evil Dead. Just run,
0: run, run. Well, that's quite a soapbox. And we haven't even talked about the issue yet, but let me just tell you, before you before you well, go to that, that group now has 35,000 members.
1: I know! <laughs> so, uh, like, a week ago, I'm at church, I'm backstage, and Aaron Padilla's giggling, looking at his phone. I'm like, oh, what's funny? Because he's all the time looking at memes and, like, these stupid pictures. So, he turns his phone around and shows me, and it's something silly on the church sound media tech facebook group and i'm like send me an invite and he sent me an invite and i rejoined it <laughs> <laughs> so for the past it i don't sucked know you back in yeah for the past week or so i've been not waking up every day looking at it but probably once or twice a day looking on there and adding my two cents here or there so the soapbox is Of the 35,000 people on there, all you freaking sales guys need to delete yourself off the internet completely and stop freaking laser beaming in on these $200 (laughs) sales you're trying to get. And all you pastors that are out there that actually need the help, I'm sorry that you can't get quality help. So now, yeah, like you said, there's 35,000 people and instead of 50 comments, it's 200. It's ridiculous. There.
0: (laughs) Well, there you have it, folks. We need to the give soul. him a
2: chance to let his blood pressure go back down a little bit. I'm
0: telling you, <laughs> I, f- I smell an aneurysm coming on. Wow! I feel like Chevy Chase. Where's the
1: Tylenol? <laughs> Where's the Tylenol? What's the
2: Facebook version
1: of road rage? Is that it? Is that it? yeah? We're done with that now. Oh. So let's segue into something <laughs> positive and wholesome and good for our community, Jeff. Sonnet House. How's Sonnet House going?
0: Sonnet House is going well, actually. For those of you guys who don't know, um, I've created a ministry resource called Sonnet House, and it's designed to be a community that provides technical training to help us get better at what we do, paired with resources for discipleship and community to help us get better at who we are. So it's basically addressing the hands and the heart. So this summer I've started, uh, actually in the spring, I started a six-month beta With uh, 45 churches who are divided up into six different groups, we meet monthly for a two-hour call online where we talk about a technical topic but then make a spiritual application for it. So just this week, I have recorded and am editing 12 devotional videos that will be the start of a video library to sort of hopefully minister to those of us who serve in the world of church production. So we're taking a, I call it kind of a tech parable, where we take a principle of technology and try to find a spiritual application. So those are coming soon, and I can't wait for this to get out into the community because I really think it'll give uh, tech leaders uh, tools with handles on it that they can make a practical spiritual application to their guys and their team. So be on the lookout for that, and I hope that they'll be available in the next couple of weeks. Jeff, that's so awesome what you're doing. I can't think of a better use of your
1: time right now and how important it is to surround yourself with guys that can encourage and mentor. And actually, this is a perfect segue into our guest. Um, our special guest this week is Zito. A lot of you may know Zito from um, his career mixing for bands like One Republic and Backstreet Boys, um, Babyface. But I've known Zito for a long, long time, and my first uh, few years of touring in the Christian music industry, I actually considered Zito uh, a mentor myself. He may not know that, and and some of you maybe can relate to this, where you have you have mentors in your life, but it's not an official like you take a guy out to coffee and say, Hey, will you be my mentor, right? But you just have those guys that you look up to and people that have kind of taken you under their wing. Uh, Zito was totally one of those guys for me, whether he knows it or not. So. Um, My first couple years of touring, you know, there's definitely those guys that you tell the truth, that you actually have no idea what you're doing. Well, he was one of those guys for me and I really appreciate him. And I hope you guys love this interview. Here is part one of our interview with Zito.
0: Mix U interview featuring Zito. Part one, be warned. You're about to be inspired, challenged, and motivated to get off your couch. Let's go. Why don't we just start with um, just a a little introductory uh, info about you? Since there might be some people who are listening who don't know much about Zito, Mm. so why don't you just fill us in on what you're up to lately and um, just a some of the just quick biographical stuff for those listeners who don't know yeah. much about Zito, the man.
3: I find it hard to believe people don't know me. I thought everybody everywhere knew who I was, but, uh, <laughs> well, there's a few, uh, then, there's a few
0: uh, in Nebraska who might still be unaware. So.
3: And, uh, North Korea, I understand <laughs> it's a thing. Uh, yeah, I've been mixing for about uh, 20 years. Uh, started out in the CCM market, uh, worked my way up. I've been working for um, OneRepublic as the uh, foreign house engineer for the last four years. Uh, before that was with uh, Babyface and Billy Currington. Uh, I was with Backstreet Boys for eight years and have done stints with a bunch of other acts over the uh, you know, the last few years. I stay busy. I like to stay busy.
0: That's awesome. So a little bit
1: off topic. And Zito, I I've known you, Zito. How long have we known each other? You said the other day it scared me, made me feel old. It was like 15 years. 15 years, years wow. yeah. And Lee, that's you're crazy. not that old, so. it's crazy. <laughs> Wait a second. Has it been 15? No, I don't think it's been that long. Now that you go, how old are you? I'm almost 33, so
0: I would have been 19.
3: Okay, that's still a long time, though. Still it is still a
0: long time. So, yep. speaking yeah. of being all over, I, this is a little bit off topic, but you've got you've to gotta tell the people who don't know cuz i know like last year just your just your travel and the just oh, the yeah. amount of chaos i mean what 420,000 miles flown yep so yep. you know for the people out there who like would love to have a life on the road i mean <laughs> you flew more miles than any pilot
3: flew last year it's crazy yeah, it was over 420,000 miles. I was gone uh, 300 days on the road last year, um, found out I was still married when I came home, and uh, she was still at the house. <laughs> it, it, uh, it's, a tough, it's a tough thing um, to, it, to spend that many nights on the airplane. Somebody did the math, and they said, you realize that you spent uh, like 48 days in an airplane? And uh, it felt like that at the end of the year it was it was crazy last year. I can't even count how many countries we went to how many times we went over the pond. We were literally flying overnight landing doing shows in in London and Turkey and Philippines and you name it. we flew there. Uh, it was a crazy year last year
1: Were you carrying consoles for a lot of that stuff too?
3: Yeah, so <clears throat> we with One republic, we don't use any local gear ever. The only exception would be if it's a television show uh, or something along that lines where uh, they have production in-house and you can't bring your own thing in. So we've done TV shows all over the world, X Factor and The Voice and you name whatever TV show it is in Germany or the UK or France or – Australia, whatever. So for the t- those types of TV things, we don't bring production, but for anything where the band actually does a live performance, we bring in all of our backline and audio control. And so we have three packages, an A, B, and a C-Rig. And uh, the A and the B-Rig are completely identical full audio control, two consoles, the stage package, they're virtually identical. And then our C-Rig is a more scaled-down version where we would use uh, local consoles. But of the hundred and Hundred or so actual performances we did last year, there was only one where we didn't bring our audio consoles.
1: Wow! Yeah. And you coordinate all that stuff, so like the <laughs> yeah. transportation company. Yeah. I mean, is it a transportation broker at that point?
3: Yeah, I have a, a freight forwarding company that I use. To spend about a million dollars a year shipping our gear around the world. <laughs>
0: wow! Oh, that's insane. Yeah. So yeah, these
1: there's guys <coughs> listening that's like spend about. A, a, a grand a year on batteries and that's all they get to spend <laughs> it's, a, it's
3: a different thing that's for sure but it's what yeah. it takes to keep it going. so there
0: is a lesson here though i mean you've because you're you've been keeping up with insanity right and the the mm-hmm. mileage and the travel and the days and all that and so I, I also know though that you have pretty much transformed yourself physically and are probably healthier than you've ever been so for the church guy who's sitting in a chair all day, every day, and isn't necessarily living a healthy lifestyle. Like, how did you find that balance? What was the motivation? What's the inspiration for just getting well, getting you, to where yeah, you've okay. gotten?
3: Okay, so I'll give you a backstory. So with that in mind, this is a good good segue because that is a lot uh, of miles to spend in an in, uh, airplane and traveling the world. And uh, I feel Um, not to over spiritualize it, but I feel like I, everything that I, all these unique things and all my skills and abilities have sort of created me into this position, uh, to do what I do. And there's very few people in the world that do what I do. And I feel uniquely qualified from all my life experiences to be here. There's no school you go to that says you're a front house guy and one day you're this, or one day you're production manager, whatever it is it's sort of a combination of all these things. And one day like, yeah, I guess I am. I'm a professional, I'm making my living from this. And so I love this, it, it gives me a purpose and a direction. And um, <clears throat> I had reached a point, I've had three knee surgeries and I reached a point with my health where I was having a hard time touring. And I was having a very hard time flying and traveling and it was wearing me down. Um, Being in airplanes and my knees were swelling up after three knee surgeries and my weight got out of control and it was just a real issue. And I reached a point where I thought, man, it's going to get to a place where I can't do this anymore. And if I can't do this anymore, if that's taken away from me, and especially at my own hands, if it's something that I had control over, I would have a really hard time with that. And I thought, I just, I can't let that happen. I'm so protective of this thing that I've worked so hard to build. And so I just made a decision to, um, it's, it's come down to the willpower. I said, I want this more than I want that. And so uh, over the last year, I've lost uh, 95 pounds. Actually, as of this morning, I weighed and lost 95 pounds. And it, it was really hard, but I didn't think of it that way it's anything is only whatever you label it, right? So it's only hard if you label it mm-hmm. as hard and is if you give it the power to be hard, otherwise it's just your reality. And so I try to change my perspective on what things are versus necessarily changing what it is. If you can't change what it is, you can only change your perspective on it. And so I've really tried to do that. Um, and not give it that label of being hard or insurmountable, tough words. Uh, so I just try to change that and not think about that aspect of it. Just think about what the positive end was going to be for me. And so that's where I'm at now and that's where I keep going. And man, it doesn't make it easy, but it's, it. yes, yeah. awesome. the alternatives suck. Thank you
0: good for yeah. you man I, yeah, yeah congratulations really man that's proud awesome of you and cheering for you that's that's great i didn't thank you i didn't necessarily mean to go to go down that rabbit trail but
3: um, <laughs> thanks, thanks <laughs> for no, sharing rabbit trail. I'm, i am glad to share <laughs> so
1: a big part of uh like what we do with MixU, you it's you know audio events around the country and mm-hmm. you and i were hanging out a few weeks ago you were in Sacramento. And you were telling me a story about you teaching in Asia and that experience. And it had some like funny stuff to it. And then some f- things you discovered about teaching that you loved. We, you want to share some of that?
3: Yeah, I got asked to um, go teach a master's class uh, in uh, Taipei. Um, and it was it's interesting because, again, that same thing, that same sort of process of who. how am I qualified to teach a master's class? Like, what do I have to bring to the table? And so I can only bring my experiences and sort of my approach of things. And and that apparently makes me a master in it. And so I was really nervous. I I love to share. I like to talk. Uh, I'm an open book and I'll tell anybody I, I don't have any secrets. I'll share everything about what I do and how I do it. You can look at my console file. You can talk to me. I have no secrets. I love to share, but I'm not really experienced in the uh, teaching in the sense of a classroom with presentations and those sorts of things so when I agreed to do it I didn't really think through what was going to be involved and they were asking for uh, three days with each with two six hour sessions and Oh yes 18 18 hours of teaching uh and it never occurred to me that nobody was going to speak English and so (laughs) everything would have to be done in a way that could be translated and it was nerve-wracking absolutely nerve-wracking for me to to do this and so I went into the I practiced my presentations and what I was going to say. And I did all of my PowerPoint and my curriculum and syllabus and the whole nine yards. And so the first day we go in and I had sort of planned out how many sessions I was going to do. And in the first morning alone, I went through 75% of my material. And I thought,
1: oh, crap. Okay, so the funny thing is, it's usually the opposite. Yeah. Because usually, like, when we do this, we think, okay, we'll spend, like, two hours talking about X topic. And then before you know it, two hours goes by, and you're at, like, 0.1 of five. Yeah. Like, it can usually go that. It went the opposite for you.
3: Yeah. (laughs) It was painful. And I was, oh, the best part is I was sick. I and one of the things, a funny little thing about me is when I get sick, like when I have, um, I was getting some sort of cold or, and when I get sick, my eyes water and it looks like I'm crying nonstop. And I've had it happen <laughs> before. where People literally come up to me and say, are you okay? Like, you know, I swear I'm okay. It's just that I'm sick. And so I'm, I'm bawling. Like my eyes won't stop watering, and I blow through all my material. And every spot I had, um, Every time that I asked to, stop to ask a question, I built in these things where I wanted to engage the audience to ask a question. There were no questions, zero, not even like, not even, a, not, I couldn't get anything out of that. And, and actually, this is a funny thing I didn't even get to tell you about Lee. So I had this translator and I would phrase a question to the audience, something simple, like, can anybody tell me what proximity effect on a microphone is? And I would ask to the question, can anybody tell me? And the translator would translate and nobody would say anything. I'm like, can anybody at all tell me what this is? Can anybody explain what this is? It was painful. Nothing.
1: And <laughs> just crickets. Nothing.
3: And one guy says to me, he, goes, he spoke English. He goes, uh, Mr. Teacher, he, he's, the translator's already giving us the answer. I said what? Oh. He goes, yeah. When he's translating, he said, "Can anybody tell us what tell Can anybody say what proximity effect is? You know, it's the effect of when you get closer to a microphone capsule, it increases the low end response." So he was every time I asked it, he was actually giving them the answer. Oh, I I was like, you've got to be kidding me! <laughs> like, that's not how I expected it to go. So what'd you do for the next uh, two days? Well, <clears throat> at the end of the first day. I was very discouraged and uh, I told everybody they could leave and then nobody left and they stayed there for three hours asking me questions. And so I went out with the organizer for dinner and he was explaining to me sort of the cultural bounds of how the time timidies work and they don't feel comfortable and it's disrespectful to, to talk and, and those sorts of things. And he was also saying, because I think this is really great about what you guys are doing uh, here These sorts of things don't exist outside of uh, our culture, which we've sort of gotten used to encouraging, sharing, and teaching. Taiwan's a small country. Imagine a country the size of – I mean half the size of California, right, with Mm -hmm. a quarter of the population. Well, they don't believe in teaching. They don't believe in sharing. They don't believe in passing down knowledge to other people because they're afraid that if they do that, it will – remove their opportunities to make a living and they think it's a direct assault to their livelihood and so because of that they won't share they won't teach they'll watch somebody else make the same mistake that they made over and over again and they're like oh that's just part of it and the reason they're doing these classes these master classes is this guy named mr ma had seen he's like i come to america i see the productions i see the value they're at and he goes here in Taiwan. Half the gear that ever, we have access to the same gear. Half of it's made here, right? So yeah. that's not um, that's not the issue. It's not access to the equipment. So it's got to be the people. Well, we have we have good engineers here. So why? And he basically boiled down to the fact that they're sabotaging themselves because they don't want to. They want to die with everything in their heads, and they don't want to share it. And I thought that was really interesting. One of their rules, they do these classes. They're sponsored by the government because they're trying to help encourage some growth. And one of their rules is that if you go to a master's class, it's free to the attendees. They have to take a survey to get into it. But they have to agree that if they're called on, that they have to teach one. And they're trying to change that sort of mentality that they have to share their knowledge with other generations. And I thought that was really, really cool. And so I changed my approach to answer long-windedly answer your question. I changed my approach into being more engaging, doing hands-on stuff, getting away from the lectern and trying to sort of um, engage them. And we did some tests together and, and we did a couple of exercises together and that kind of broke them out of their shell shell. And the next two days were freaking awesome.
1: Cause you ran out of material.
3: <laughs> I just basically, yeah, yeah, exactly. I faked my way for the next two days cause I had nothing else to do. But
0: man, what a, what a huge lesson though, for church guys, especially who sometimes have that sort of fear-based mentality that says, gosh, if I, if I give away, what I know, or if I if I pour into somebody, they're gonna find out that I don't know everything, and oh my gosh, I'll get you know I'll get caught. Um, they'll find they'll find me out, right? Um, and we just we see it all the time, and so it's like how you know what a, what a great lesson for a lot of the guys listening to go. You know what? You know the best way for you to to learn. Is to is to teach, and you know this sort of closed-minded, kind of hold the reins as tight as I can mentality is just it's stifling for everybody. Creates a yeah, culture. Absolutely. Creates a culture that will kill itself.
3: A hundred percent. And you know what's interesting about that is uh, two things that were really that were really interesting to me is one is the amount. Uh, I learned from reviewing the material of stuff I knew or thought I knew. And so that was fascinating to me. I didn't expect to walk away learning as much because I wanted to make sure I was speaking from a place of some sort of authority. So I reread material and I did a lot of research because I wanted to make sure I was articulating my points, yada, yada. Um, So that was really unexpected for me. That was cool. But the other thing that was really neat for me was to actually be uh, challenged by some of the students um, with things that I was wrong on and and I was had no issues saying like oh I guess you're right and I, I guess I was kind of looking at that maybe the wrong way or and and I didn't take that as any sort of personal attack on me um, <clears throat> it, it was actually really refreshing and it also told me that they were engaged in the process that we were all thinking on the same page you know uh, that was really really a cool part of that that I didn't expect to happen. The other thing that was cool is that one thing that that was, and I think we see this a lot, and, and I think this is applicable here, is that with the, with a the young, there was a lot of young, some of the smartest audio minds that I've ever seen. There, they had the book knowledge because they read they. Watched YouTube videos and they've read materials. And one of the kids was quoting white papers from Sure from two thousand and three. I was like, "Jeez, man!" Like <laughs> for real. And he's like, "Well, Zito, according to the white paper that Sure released in May of two thousand and three, they actually say that the." It's like, oh, okay, so they had the knowledge, but they missed the it application.
1: Because that kid probably wrote that white paper,
3: <laughs> <laughs> probably. But that it, it, that that's applicable yeah. here because you may have the, all of the knowledge and you can understand it, but you need, sometimes you need help putting it all together Get context. And yeah. I think that's where yeah shared learning comes from.
1: You know, I would say you've always been an open book. Like, I don't know if, if you remember this or even realize what you were doing, but, uh, the first tour you and I were on together, you were doing monitors for Cutlass. This was like back in 2004 or something. Yep. And the last week of the tour, you had to leave to go start another tour and I think I was just like a backline tech for Cutlass or stage managing and mixing for an opening band. Like that's what I was doing. And then you're like, Hey, I'm leaving. So i want you to do monitors. You like showed me everything. And I, and it wasn't just like, Hey, I'm going to show you just how to get by. I feel like you totally took me under your proverbial wing, so to speak. And I actually looked to you as like a mentor. Like mm-hmm. I, the success I had if I could call it that in the CCM world before I was doing in, in churches. It was a total fake it till you make it with me. I feel <laughs> like a hundred percent, like I'll just call it what it is. But there were a few guys that I went like, let me, let me uh, allow you to take a peek behind the curtain in my own life. And you were totally one of those guys. I felt like I could go, dude, I don't have a crap idea what I'm doing. Can like p- help me. So I, I think you, that's a part of you. I don't think that's new to you. You've been doing that for a long time. And I don't think I would be doing what I'm doing to Today, without guys like you, so
3: that's cool. That. Well, it's funny though. I don't think that ever changes. I mean, even now, at, at whatever eighteen years into my career, I still, I still feel like <laughs> one day I'm going to be found out as a fake. You know, <laughs> I, I still call guy You know, like you were just talking to Scoble, and I think he'd probably even say the same thing. He's, he, you know, I don't think there's yeah. ever a point where you walk and you're like, ah. Oh, I still sometimes want to see behind somebody else's curtain to make sure that I know what I'm doing.
1: Yeah. He keeps asking us to come do a mix you, and we basically tell him no, because I'm like, people are paying to come hear us, and if you walk in the room, we're just going to be hoping that you like it the
0: whole time and, like, checking our pants all day. So, sorry, buddy. Well, I think, you know, I think the lesson for church guys especially, because there is a spiritual component to it, is, you know, it's getting beyond... This idea that my identity is based in my skill and you know my skill needs to be uh an outflow of what's in my heart and what who god has made me to be and what god says about me so you know that that shift in mindset just totally changes your attitude toward being open-handed and being um you know willing to share and replacing yourself with somebody else because if you know if it's all about your skill what happens when some kid comes along who knows more than you do and then you're totally screwed so you got to get over that yeah
3: yeah for sure
0: that's cool no question well, let's let's talk just practical for a minute like in terms of your approach you know what um when you walk up to a console you're prepping for a tour or you're kind of getting ready to kind of work with some new yeah. songs and what like just talk us through your kind of basic workflow and
3: with a couple of principles um, that I always apply, the first thing is I may have my preferred console or whatever the, whatever the case is, but I always take the same approach, uh, at least to start. Doesn't mean I can't end up in a different place, but I'm very particular in how I lay a console out. I always lay it out the same way. I'm very particular in how I label things. I always label it the same way. I always do my groups and sort of my structure the same way, no matter the console. That allows me to be efficient uh, and work quickly without having to rethink every time, whether I'm on a Digico or a profile or analog desk or digital, doesn't matter. I kind of always sort of take the same basic starting approach to it. Uh, And that has served me well because that gives me the opportunity to jump in. If I get a call to go, I mean, last week I got a call to go ask, um, a friend's a manager for country artists. They were playing on The Bachelorette and they said, Hey, we need you to jump in. Uh, he's doing this TV thing and, and we'd like you to come out. I've never mixed this artist before, but I started the same place that country band. I don't do necessarily a lot of country now, but just laid it out the same way. So it was familiar to me. The process was familiar to me. It didn't matter that it was a country band. Um, so that's, that's one of the things that I uh, always do. Uh, and then I always kind of, I'm big on um, groups. I do a lot of groups. And so I, at the at the most basic mm-hmm. um, approach, I always do separate my vocals from my instrumentation at the most basic level. Now that can go deeper and deeper where I may do a drum group and a keys group and start treating those individually. And then certain groups will feed groups and that sort of thing. But at the most basic structure, regardless of the situation, I always have a... Music group and a band group, and we'll treat those slightly different, and then those groups will go to my main output. Um, and the other thing is that I never, I rarely, rarely treat my master bus. If I want to do something, I'm doing it um, for a specific purpose, and that allows me to maybe feed a recording feed. Uh, we do it t- with Wonder Republic We do a ton of broadcasts, more more live web streams and. Then I could count, and one of the things that people always comment on is they they can't believe that um, that the mix that's going to the web stream or when we did Apple Music Festival that's just my front house two mix. That's nothing. That's not a multi stem that went to a broadcast guy that split it out and just And that's that's my two mix. That is a representation of what I'm sending to the PA. Now I'm tr- I'm taking that bus, that um, master bus and doing very little treatment there. But what I will do from there is it will go to the PA, and of course I'll tune the PA and timeline and do my EQ there. And then I'll have it, that master bus will feed what I call my record bus. And I might do a little bit of tightening up there. I'm gonna compress my record feed more than I would, I want the PA to be more dynamic in the room. So I might take that recording feed um, and do a little bit of front end compression there, and then take and do a little bit of limiting and multiband compression, tighten up. And then that's what's going to the broadcast. Um, but at its core, I sort of take that left left and right. And that's what I use to feed uh, different things. And that remains relatively untreated. Maybe I have a little sweetener or something for a particular purpose. But overall, I'm not doing a whole lot. I'm not EQing my master bus ever.
0: That's really uh, cool. Uh, so can you, can you, for for the church guy who might I be using that, there, Um left right mix yeah. as their web feed for example um for their live stream or whatever you talk about the process of how you got to okay here's what sounds good for the web and in terms of listening back and making those tweaks and developing those plug presets or whatever it was like how do you how would you advise somebody who is using their two mix for something like that to to kind of get there in terms of sure what sounds good
3: yeah you have to consider what each output is. And so I always try to challenge people to look at each um, output as its own thing. For instance, you're making – it's one mix. The mix should be the mix. That, for me, I'm a firm believer in my mix is the mix. Uh, I'm not making a separate mix for this and a separate mix for that. It's almost impossible to stay on top of. Um, My mix is my mix. And from that mix, then I go, okay, if I'm trying to feed a PA – I need to treat a PA for the PA. If I need to tr- have a delay, that delay might be treated treated for the delay. Um, f- if I have a web stream, that's treated for web stream. And so the only exception to that, going back to my earlier principle, um, actually I have a few diagrams I did for my uh, seminar that I could, my Taiwanese seminar, they're in English, that I can share. But because I do a music bus and a vocal bus, that gives me a little bit of flexibility with control, if I want to do, if I'm trying to maybe send to a hearing impaired where I can, uh, do what they call mix-minus, where I'm where I'm separating the two, or um, if I'm doing something for front fills where maybe I want the vocals a little bit louder than that. That's the only exception to that rule. So with the web stream stuff, it always boils down to the lowest quality component. And so I'm constantly going back to the lowest quality component, which is people's laptops or, or phone speakers, and it's it's amazing to me. Even you know, with OneRepublic, our our lead singer is one of the top producers in the world, um, and it's amazing to me that he'll still take his phone out and listen to something and judge yes. it you based upon that. Well, that's the reality of the world that we live in. You know, ten dollar earbuds and 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 phone speakers and so i'm constantly
1: so about that and you can say or not and we can edit this out if you don't want but did you ever experience getting feedback from web stream mixes from the artist and he's just listening to apple headphones or going like hey the vocals not loud or even like iphone speaker
3: i've sat in the room with him on his phone and had him make those comments i mean i've seen it firsthand without a doubt And part of that upsets me as an audio engineer. I want to go, but you need to listen to it in a proper reference thing. And and it'll just look at you straight and say, well, why do I care about that? Nobody else is doing that. Kids aren't walking around and buying, you know, $10,000 reference monitors or buying, you know, good headphones. They don't, that's not what they're doing. They're pulling it up on their phone or they're watching on their phone. And so understanding what the final product is and kind of getting over yourself. I always go back to playing it on. And that's one of the ways that I've been successful is playing it on my laptop speakers. And if I walk away from that going, it sounds good here. I can hear the vocal. I can understand what's happening. Then, then I know I'm in the right spot. And it's funny that, you know, there's the old studio thing. that guys would have those oratones and tiny little speakers really, um, nothing to brag about. And they would always say, if I can make it sound good on the oratomes, it'll sound good everywhere. But it's funny that as I've honed my mix to sound good on laptop speakers and off of a cell phone, how much that translates into everything else, you know, translates to the PA and into the room. It it really does. It helps you along the way.
1: So the correlation to church on this is easily relatable to when you're pastor's wife is sitting on the front row on the far stage left side and going like, it just doesn't sound good over here. And the typical response is, well, you're sitting in the worst seat. Like come back here where I'm sitting and it sounds awesome. Like that's a crappy response when you should go. Well then figure out how to make it sound good down there. Cause that's obviously the most important seat.
3: At least strive, at least strive for that. I mean, obviously there is always, there's physics involved in it, but you have to strive for that. You can't dismiss those sort of things. I wouldn't have my job if I told my artist when he's holding his Apple phone up, <laughs> if he said, and I said, well, that's just stupid. I'm not even going to listen to this. I wouldn't have yeah. a job. Even the artist, you know, even out um, uh, on, on the Ariana tour that was just on, she sits and watches every single show, and she doesn't look at the references. She doesn't listen to the board tape. She watches YouTube. And she watches it off people's phones. And yeah. that's her the way it looks and the way it sounds. And her whole point is the same thing. That's where my audience is digesting it. And so because that is where they're digesting it, it's important yep. to me.
1: I uh, i got called to uh, fill in a show for the, the biggest act I'd ever mixed for. It was just a fill-in thing. And um, didn't meet the guy. It was just show up, do the festival, and then see you later. And the next day, I got a call from management, and they offered me a job. And I, I was super confused. I was like, "Why, why are you offering me a job? I did not even meet him. He didn't hear the mix." And he goes, "No, he watched a bunch of people's periscopes and got what he needed off of that." <laughs> I was like, "What the heck?" I was like, oh, "I'm, flat, I can't do it." Flattered, and I'll, and I'm going to take a mental note on this because that's crazy to me.
3: It is the reality of you know where we're at on. Uh in 2017.
2: Man, that was awesome. Zito, he's got so many ideas. I had never, uh, until we started talking to him and interviewing him, I had never, I just didn't know that much about him. Uh, I'd heard what, what Lee had said and knew of him by reputation, but he said some stuff in there that rocked my world that him describing how, uh, you know, checking mixes and all that on an iPhone is totally resonated with me huge. Years ago, I was trying to figure out my quest for a, a great stream mix, you know, straight from front of house. I remember taking out my really expensive, awesome monitors and putting in, you know, terrible orotones, just trying to get closer to that. Um, kind of wondering why now I wasn't smart enough to just do the iPhone thing. That would have been a heck of a lot simpler, right? Well, so, back
0: then the iPhone didn't exist.
2: <laughs> what are you saying, man? <laughs> <laughs> I are <We're> old. <laughs> I had a razor. It was awesome. Uh, so anyway, that that was awesome. We've got more to come in the, in the next episode with him. He uh, Zito hits some stuff, uh, talks about some plug-in, the way he's using some plugins that rocked my face off just being new to the plug-in game. And he talked a little bit about some drums. Uh, so as we get ready to sign off here, another reminder uh, – D.C., we're coming for you. We're hitting the East Coast, and we're so excited. September 26th at Metro Church in Alexandria. Great room, great PA, going to be awesome. Just going to be a great experience there. We're really looking forward to the people we're going to encounter and all that. So you can check it out at uh, on the web at mixu.rocks. Mixu, and be sure and follow us, look out for us and all that at at rocks this podcast means something to you, uh, rate it, uh, subscribe to it. Let us, uh, let the world know if it's, if it's meaningful to you, it's a good thing.
0: That's great. Well, there's one more thing that I want to mention before we go today. And that is that those of us here at MixU are looking for a little help. And so we'd love to start the MixU intern search. Part of what we need is help with things like, you know, editing the podcast and, some stuff on the web and maybe a little graphic design. So if you are a person who loves those kinds of things, you need to be computer savvy enough to be able to get us a video of yourself telling you why you should be the sure you Intern. If you like that sort of thing and like the idea of helping us out for a few hours a month, um, send us a video and tell us why you should be the first ever you intern and we'll uh, filter through the, I'm sure, hundreds of responses Hundreds. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and uh, pick one person to help us with a few um, awesome tasks to move the You boat further down the river. So uh, find us and tell us why you should be that person. Until next time though, I want to thank you all for listening today. Um, The next episode is going to be great, too, so download them all and share them with your friends, and we'll see you next time. Thanks, guys. Peace out.